We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good, everybody? Before we get into today's show, big ups to the members of the Patreon. We got Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Daniel Gibson, Derek Pleates, Devin Rendon, Jake Powers, Mike Wozniak, Ryan Pisner, and Corey Johnson Hoops. All of the names that I mentioned, for the most part, you should be getting merch either already or you're getting it this week. So when you do get it, please just tag us on the gram or Twitter, whatever you have, and we'll repost it as a token of our appreciation. So we're also dropping three shows this week. This is the first one, Podcast and Chill with Samantha Wendorf. We got the Super Bowl props only edition coming out on Wednesday. And then Alan and I on Friday are breaking down the Super Bowl from X's and O's to everything in between. For those of you listening to this episode, you might've heard it last week on the Patreon. That's one of the perks that you get for as little as $1 a month to $5, 10, 20, and $40 a month. You can help the show grow. $5 a month, you get all the episodes before they go public to everybody else. This episode right here is with Samantha Wendorf, one of my good friends. She is a actress known for her work on FBI back in 2018. And we talk about how, what the life of an actor is just in general her process going through the ups and the downs of pursuing her dream her passion and also how covid has changed everything with acting and commercials and the whole nine so this was a really cool conversation already got some positive feedback from the patreon members so sit back relax enjoy this one shouts to everybody that listens man the show is doing really really well Got a cool email last week that made me really happy. So I appreciate everybody that's spreading the word to friends and family to climb on board, man. The show's doing really, really well, and I'm excited for the future. So shouts to Samantha once again coming on the pod. Enjoy the conversation. Samantha Wendorf. Yeah. 
just do it. I never asked. I just do my job. <laughs> Why do you do it? I do it to line up the audio. So I'll just. Oh, so there you go. I'll, but like, what's the name of it? I don't know what the name know. of it is. Maybe it's like to sync it. It's, um, you know what I'm talking about, right? The action thing. Oh, that's what that, that's why they do that? Yeah. So what I do now is. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even know, right? We're kinda, Are kinda, you recording? Yeah, we, 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 we started. We started. That's hilarious. So what I do is I use the audio from the mics. Okay. But I have my phone and my camera here, obviously, right. on us. So what I'll do is I'll do the spike thing. Okay. So now that's picking up the spike of the audio and the mic. Oh. And then when I edit, I got to send myself the files, these two files. Right. And then I get the two files from the mic. Okay. And then from there, I line it up. Okay. using the the spike in the audio and then i'll mute the volume from the cameras uh -huh. and then you get the audio from here so it's like nice oh, and crisp that makes so that's sense. why he, yo he, okay. See, he, i'm not I'm, the, I'm in front of the camera so i don't know i right. don't know these things so, it, so and, and mp always shouts to mp mp's in the background every time i do it like we have to take like a 15 20 <laughs> second delay because he starts laughing he's like yo it's so funny that you do that every time can do it. Gotta There's do a it. process to this. So. so, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. Sam Wendorf. Wendorf. That's me. Got mm -hmm. it. Got thank, it. Thank you for having me. No, nah, no problem. You, um, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you've or if Impy's told you or if I've told you, but you know why I wanted to talk to you? No. <laughs> so, there was, uh, I'm into like weird shit and like, um, I don't know how to explain. When I tell you the story, you'll understand. But okay. we were going to Dom's wedding. Right. And we took the Uber. Yes. I was sitting in the front. Mm -hmm. You and it be in the background behind us. And there were, uh, who was it, two other people if we were with us? Yeah, it was another yeah, couple. Yeah, there was another mm -hmm. couple, right? And we're, we're taking the Uber to go to Dom's wedding. And the conversation of like, oh, what do you do came up, right? Yeah. Like, what do you do for a living, this and that. And yeah. You mentioned how you are doing the acting thing, mm -hmm. but like you're doing something else in the meantime until the acting like really takes off. Yeah. And then Impy, like, because I started shaking my head like, oh, I was like, girl, you don't even got to explain yourself anymore because I know what you're talking about. Right. And then Impy like grabbed my shoulder and I, because like, that's what, how I explain what I'm doing. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, does I didn't that know make that sense? He did that. Yeah, okay. yeah. It all was right, very right, subtle. Right. It was very mm -hmm. like one of those things where, at the time, I might have not connected the dots or yeah. it resonated with me. But then after, so like, what is it that you do? Oh, we're asking. We're just asking that question. Yeah, now? like what? Yeah. Do you, like what? Uh, honestly, I don't know what you do. I know you're like into acting and you're an actress, but um, like, I mean, well, that is what I do. I think that's something that um, a lot of people don't. It's a weird question, right? Because people will be like, oh, like I've heard that before. Like, oh, you're into the acting thing. Like, that's the kind of thing you like to do. But it's that's my job. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think it's hard for people sometimes to understand when they go to like, you know, a normal nine to five or something like that, where like that's just their job. It's not necessarily what they like to do. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I'm very lucky that what I like to do and what I love to do is my job. It's just... Basically, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you know, the job isn't necessarily always the job. And let me explain what I mean by that. Like when I book a commercial or when I book like, you know, a TV show or a play, like when I go to rehearsal and we're on stage, like that's the job. That's what people think the job is. But 
there's so much more that you have to do to even get to that point of actually booking the job. And that's really the job. Like if you talk to any representation, you talk to any casting director, you talk to any actor who's actually doing the thing, rehearsing, not rehearsing, that's not what I wanted to say. If you're talking to any actor who's actually doing the thing, getting yourself ready for the job is the job. Taking classes, you know, meeting casting directors, meeting representation, just like chatting with other actors, reading sides, reading plays, reading books, watching movies, watching TV, like that's all research. That's all getting you prepared for when you do actually book the job. Hmm. So that's my job. Like I'm in, I'm a, because of COVID, thankfully I can finally say like I am a full-time actor and that's all that I do. And yeah, I hope I answered your question. No, you <laughs> did. You did. And there's a lot to break down there. So how does how does that feel now to be able to actually say that with no, not strings attached, mm-hmm. but, you know, like for me, right? I, my buddy Mustafa does public speaking and he mm-hmm. works with Dr. Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher. And he, um, he always drops gems when he's, he comes on the show. And there was one thing he said that really resonated with me, probably my favorite thing that he's ever said. And it was how... People ask you, what do you do mm-hmm. to understand how much respect to give you? Mm. So like, if you're like, oh, I'm a teacher, yeah. they'll be like, oh, okay. Oh, I'm a doctor. Oh, I'm a lawyer. Oh, yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. Mm, yeah, sure. You know? Right, right. So it's like, now you can actually say that you're an actress. So yeah. it's like, how does that feel? Um, how does that feel? Well, can I refer- reference him off camera at any point? Okay. You, that's my... Like, he's allowed to... He's he, here? Okay, cool. That's my guy guy right there. That. Irrational confidence <laughs> guy. Impy, looking up... Yeah. Nick. What are you looking up? Nick stats? Nah. Nah. Mets, yeah. Lindor, Lindor season? Let's go. You got the Mets hat on too. Shout out to Impy, man. I will start and stop, though, for, like, your editing when I mess up, but... Oh, nah. I'm not editing anything. You're not editing anything? Nah, so... The, you, I'm always, like, the director's actor. I'm just like, I know you need, me, you need a second for me to back up. But no, um, no, we're just having a conversation. Just right, pr- cool. pretend that there's no mic or no cameras mic, no, being nothing. recorded. Yeah. All right. So. So uh, how does it feel to now actually be able to say that and that really be your thing? Well, I, f- I mean, that's like that's a weird question for me, because on one end, it feels amazing to be able to say like I was so before COVID, I was working in a restaurant and that was the thing that was paying most of the bills. Well, thankfully, I mean, I was booking work here and there and that would bring an income, but it wasn't enough to like pay rent and bills and groceries all the time. Um, I was also dying to get out of there because I've been working since I was like 15 on and off in the hospitality industry. And Mm -hmm. I was just, you know, I had like the best survival job you could have. I worked at a really great restaurant and it was super easy, but I just knew like my energy wasn't there anymore. And that's not good for me. That's not good for the customer. So I was ready to go. So when COVID happened, it took me a while to realize, but it was actually the best thing that could have happened because it gave me time to just be a full-time actor and artist. But, you know, at the same time, I feel like I could have claimed that before COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's an internal thing. And I didn't have to like, w- there was something inside of me that felt like I had to tell people, oh yeah, I'm an actor. Oh, but I'm also a server. Like that's my survival thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's like a shame in there as well. And like, that's not necessary. I didn't have to do that. You know, like being an actor means for me, 
I don't need anyone else's permission or approval to say that I'm an actor, whether or not I actually have like a booked role right now. This is what I am and this is what I do. It doesn't matter what you think about it. So, and the only reason I referenced Impy was because it's so weird calling him that. I call him Anthony. I'm like, <laughs> who is Impy? Yeah, there was uh, one time. There was one time he introduced himself as Anthony, and I had to do like a double take because even was like that? yo, it's yo, it's weird, right? Because my group of friends, like we have uh, Davino. His yeah. name is Anthony. No one that I know yeah. calls him Anthony. They call him Davino. Right, right. His lady calls him Anthony. You call him Anthony. So like, it's it's always been Impy. You know I what I mean? So it's just it's just a weird dynamic. No, there. I feel it, and especially like during COVID, it's like you know we don't see as many people these days. So like every once in a while when we do see someone and they're like hey impy like it makes me i do a double take i'm like who but i now i know who they're talking about um no i remember this one time like over the summer we had gone upstate to his um family's lake house oh i know all about it i haven't caught an invite for like six years now it's crazy I mean, oh, this, that was and my like first he's, time. He's so like, you know, he's like, he's me. like a kid. He's like the leading candidate to be the best man at my wedding <laughs> when I find a plus one. And it's like, yeah, I can't even catch an invite. It's crazy. I'm gonna extend an invite, but it's an unofficial invite. Right, it's cool, not my house, cool, cool, but cool. I will pull for you. There um, you go, campaign for me. <laughs> no, it's amazing. But on the way back, um, his friend's mom was like, some somehow we ended up in the city and we needed to get a ride back to Astoria, or was it like, no, we got it like. His friend had like this weird like rental that we had to drop off in Jersey mm -hmm. and then get picked up by his mom in Jersey to come back to the Upper East Side. And then we took an Uber to Astoria. Anyway, the mom was asking us like, oh, what do you guys do? Da, 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 da. And I didn't answer right away. And Impy, Anthony, said, oh, she works at a, a restaurant. She used to work at the polo bar. And I just remember in that moment feeling like, oh, like I hadn't been working there in months. And I didn't feel like... I still like belong like that didn't see that wasn't like what should have been the describing factor or the describe I don't I don't know the word I'm looking for but it just didn't resonate well with me and I remember afterwards telling him like you know maybe we should like not say that to people anymore when they ask what I do because I don't do that I don't want to do that and I'm an actor that's what I do so let's just when people ask let's just go with that so that was my story. <laughs> no, that's great because I feel as if, so I have a coffee truck in the city. Mm -hmm. I've been working there with my pops for a couple of years now. Now I've been working on my own because, you know, the city's pretty empty. There's no one in the office. Right. So a lot of my customers are all nine to fivers, right? Mm -hmm. And there's just no one around. Like all the buildings are empty. Right. So I call that the dream supply. Because that allows me the ability to do all the stuff that I'm doing after, like all of this, mm -hmm. right? Like this is, I'm lucky enough now where I'm making some money off the show, whether it's sponsors or the network that I'm with and some of the Patreon members too. And it's funny, you mentioned how like COVID was like, a, you looked at COVID as like a positive, which I love because a lot of people right away, it's always a negative. Right? Well, right away, it was negative. Like I was super depressed the first couple months. Of it course. took me time to realize like, oh my God, this is a great gift that I've been given, but not immediately. That's for sure. Time is the biggest luxury. And mm -hmm. that's something that I noticed with COVID. So it was always a goal of mine to get a space like this, right? Like mm -hmm. now I'm in a two bedroom where the one room is what we're sitting in now. And right. it's like an actual studio, you know, so. I don't want to ever, nothing ever gets moved. Mm. Like everything always stays like this. You know, I just turn on the lights like you saw me do. Right. And I'll just change the batteries when I mm -hmm. need to. But that's about it. Yeah. So I have this space now to get creative and whatnot. 
And it's cool because I didn't want to have that burden of constantly putting up the the backdrop over here mm-hmm. and having to make sure. Now it's like consistent. And I've seen that the show now, public perception, it's taken more serious. Right. Downloads are improving every month since then. It's easier to get guests to come on. Mm-hmm. Also because I lived in Long Island. So to get the commute to come all the way out there, it was like a hassle. You know, yeah. I would have to pick up Impy drive him there no it's time consuming and then, yeah. yeah and even alan that. alan when we were doing the show he's like man you know for me to get to your crib at 7 30 i gotta leave at like six to avoid the traffic and then by the time i get home he's like yo it's taking a toll on me and i was like bro i feel you i used to have to do that drive three what three times a week we, we used to record degeneration bets together the sports betting yeah. and on that same day i would record a wrestling podcast uh-huh. just so that i didn't have to do more commutes and then we would record vm on mondays and fridays on uh, mondays and thursdays i'm already exhausted listening to you yeah. and hold on <laughs> let me let me just like pat myself on the back a little bit more i was waking up at 2 45 in the morning Damn. to go to work in the city and all those days that i'm mentioning sam i'm fucking not sleeping in the afternoon yeah. so i'm going like from long from glen cove to the city mm-hmm. back to glen cove chilling working out from there coming back into the story of recording then going back to glen cove i haven't I sleep one day a week mm-hmm. with no alarm clock, and it's Friday into Saturday. Damn. I turn off my phone. Right. Legit, when I go to bed, I wake up whatever time I wake mm-hmm. up, decide to wake up, unless I have something to do on Saturday. Yeah. Because then on Sunday, if I try to do that Saturday night, and I wake up at like 1.30 on mm-hmm. Sunday, I can't go to bed at night. Right. Because I wake up so early. So it, when COVID happened, I... I wouldn't say I got depressed, but I started getting just annoyed with doing everything in one place. I was Mm. working out. I was sleeping. I was Mm -hmm. living there. I was, well, I might have said working out, but I was like recording there too. And it's Mm -hmm. like, yo, I've been there for so long. Like there's no escape. Right. Right. So I think with COVID, it sort of eliminated that like ability to be social and go out. Yeah. And just also like, you know, your body, it's like a there's like this jolt reaction because I was like, I was, I mean, Anthony knows like I didn't even have a day off. Like I would, I mean, even on my supposed days off, I was still, I had to go into the city. I had auditions. I had like all of these things that I had to do. I had to like record self-taped auditions at home. And like, I had to do, I have to do the setup. Like I don't have like the space that's my own yet, but you know, every day was something. And then if it wasn't, you know, we would maybe I'd work on like Friday night. And I would get out of work at like 11 and then I would take the train back to Astoria. I'd go to his place. We'd sleep. We'd get up early to have breakfast together and then or brunch. And then I'd go back to work. And that was just like and then I was in school. And then I'm like, there's just all these things. And like when you're in it, you're always like, damn, this is so much like I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm running all over the place. And then COVID hits and all of a sudden you're like forced to sit still. And you're just like, what is this feeling? Like, I don't know how to sit still. Like, I don't know how to just sit around and do nothing. And I think it was like a huge lesson for me in that rest is also super important. Like, mm. you you need rest. If you're going to do anything, if you're going to do anything and you want to be good at it, you have to give yourself these pockets of rest. Even if it's just like, you know, an hour in the morning where that's like, it's just you and a cup of coffee and like some quiet time, maybe like some like bullshit show to like turn your brain off or like I meditate, you know, all of that is important because if you're just like constantly, constantly on the go, your body gives out, you know, and it's just, it's not sustainable. 
is what I'm trying to say. It's not. As someone that was, I was super prideful of, y'all, I sleep four hours a day. Oh, that team no sleep is so Nah, like, it ugh. is, man. Look. So, yeah. I'll, a thousand percent honest with you. Yeah. I, my main goal with all of this yeah. is I don't want to flip eggs anymore. Of course. Like, I don't want to have to wake up at 3 a.m. Right. My alarm clock is 3 a.m., 3 p.m. So when I get home from work, mm -hmm. if I get home at like 1130 and I can sleep right away, then I'll get that three and a half, three hours. But then mm -hmm. there'll be some times where like I'll fall asleep at like 2.15, but I have to wake up at three because yeah. I got so much shit I got to do. Yeah. So it's it's weird, right? Like with COVID, it's been uh, it's been it's been such a world altering thing that happened. Right. And I think. People like you, people like me with mm -hmm. like in the creative space, I think this is where if you didn't double down, I think you made a mistake. During COVID, you mean? Yeah. Like if you were if you were creating, yeah. how do you feel about that? Because um, I see some hesitation and, you know, I just I think that's really hard to say because I'm also like, you know, there was definitely a point in my life when I was like, I don't need sleep. And like, I really didn't like, and that was just me like being younger and just like my physical self, like I didn't need as much sleep, but you know, I'm the type of person where I do need sleep. If I'm going to function well and at a high level, I do need a certain amount of sleep and that's super important. But aside from that, in terms of, I really am not a fan of the shaming that's going on right now during COVID. Like, you know, you go on Instagram and you see all these memes that say, if you, you know, if you, what you just said, like if you didn't, you know, pull it together, if you didn't find your hustle, if you didn't find your thing during COVID, you know, you made a mistake or you fucked up or you don't have it in you because this is a really scary time for people. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like I said, like I was super like depressed and down in the beginning of COVID because I was literally scared to leave my apartment. You know, I live, you know, I live over near 30th Avenue and you have the, all of the supermarkets over there and a lot of people not wearing masks and a lot of people on the corner. And, you know, then you're watching the news and they're telling you that they don't know how you're going to get COVID. I was scared to leave my home. And that's not a level of fear that a lot of people, including myself, are used to experiencing regularly. So I just think that I think we need to be kinder and gentler. I think we need to be kinder and gentler and more understanding of people who are struggling during this time because we're not we're living in unprecedented times like this isn't normal and um i just don't think we should be shaming anybody because you don't know what anyone else is going through what they're experiencing so that's my take on that yeah it's 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 weird because i've, I've seen the impact happen close to my family like my business is about 70 percent down from what it used to be right and i also you know i um I've been pulled in so many different directions the last couple of years, yeah. and I finally got a food truck. I still haven't been able to to use it. Really, it's still it's still in Jersey. It hasn't left a lot mm. because the moment it leaves a lot, the financing comes into play, and like business is just not good right now. Right. So the money that I was making, me personally, like when my pops would pay me, and the money that would be left over for me, I'm still making that, mm -hmm. but. It's not good for like my family. So my dad hasn't been in the city for like three months because, really? yeah, he's 54. He's kind of out of shape. And I'm like, yo, you don't need to be coming. I don't want you to come into the city. And then you see this thing that you've been building for 27 years be in shambles. Right. So I'm like, yo. And also risking him, his own health, his health. and safety. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like for me personally, I wasn't worried about myself catching COVID. Mm -hmm. But obviously... 
I didn't want to be the one to be like, oh, damn, I got COVID. And then I gave it to like my pops or my grandma or some right. shit like that. That would be more devastating to me because like, yo, I work out every day. I do eat my vitamins. I eat well. Mm-hmm. You know, I run every day. And so like, I, I'm fit, you know, so I wasn't worried about that. But again, like what you said about being nicer and being more gentle to people and just like kind, really, yeah. you know, it, it goes a long way. But I want to um, I want to go back to like COVID and acting in okay. particular. Muslim head coach. <laughs> I started recording. <laughs> Shouts to the Jets, man. Just got a new head coach at the time we're recording this and be in the background excited. Yeah, got excitement in that Yeah, yeah. So, so Sam, let me ask you. Right. Um, COVID, right? COVID happens. How has acting and the world of acting changed with, with the coronavirus? Oh, my God. I mean. Just move that mic a little closer to you. Okay. Um, How has it changed? I mean, it's changed everything. I mean, in the first couple months, nothing was happening at all. I mean, I actually, it's actually so crazy. So I had like booked this commercial like early March and then we were set to shoot. When did like everything shut down? Like what, like March 14th or something like that. So then they canceled it. Mm -hmm. I was like, damn, okay, that sucks. And then they were like one of the first people who tried to figure out how to do like uh, remote shooting so like they ended up so like on March 30th I actually shot a commercial in my apartment where like I used my phone like use the iPhone and then the director was on zoom and we figured it out and it was a weird experience but I think a lot of people you know especially in the commercial space because people realized they needed to make money and they knew that actors were willing to like create their own content at home you know they call it what is it like user-generated content or like mm-hmm. self-generated but you know, so that was one way to keep people kind of working, but the work, especially in the beginning, was very limited. And I think that's just because this was a brand new space for people and they didn't know what was the right thing to do. They didn't know how to pull it off. But when it came to like theater, shut down. We don't know when Broadway is going to open up again, just because of the logistics of COVID of having people in a safe space. And the truth of the matter is, you know, we haven't done a good job of containing COVID in this country. So, you know, there's a lot of people out of work. And I don't mean just actors. I'm talking about directors, producers. You know, Well, the producers will be fine. They have money. But, <laughs> you know, like technicians, like the lighting guys, you know, the, the coat check guys even, the ushers, like the set dressers, like hair and makeup. Like there's so many people out of work right now. And like, I, if anything, like there's this thing called the Actors Fund, which is an amazing organization, nonprofit that they've helped me out. Like I've gotten money from them during this time. And, you know, you don't even have to be an actor. You can just be anyone in the creative arts space. And they want to help you because a lot of people are struggling right now. And I just think, you know, they don't get enough attention. So shouting them out. Appreciate you. Um, film and TV. They took a while to come back. Um, and even then, like they're trying to do it safely and it's hard, you know, because it's just, you just, you just never know. Like, you know, yeah, and there's so yeah. many moving parts. Yeah. You see it in sports. Like I'm surprised that, I mean, at the time that we're recording this, I don't know mm-hmm. exactly when it's going to go out. That's why it's more of like an evergreen, not like a time sensitive subject, but yeah. You know, it's it's before the divisional round of the playoffs. The NFL fans, they know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked that the NFL made it through the season because my take in the beginning was sort of what you were saying about the acting mm-hmm. thing where 
it's not just the actors it's the coat check guys it's the valet parking people it's the waitresses if it's in like a you know, a Caroline's on Broadway, right? right? Or if it's uh, on like Broadway, something yeah. of I that mean, nature. I mean, these are major industries that have so many people contributing to it. Yeah. And everyone's out of a job right now. I mean, but they're like with sports, you know, they are when, you know, film and TV, they are casting and they'll do tests. You know, they'll make sure that if you do book the role and everything is off self tapes now, like you for a lot of shows you used to be able to go into the casting office and into the audition room and like be with the person. They don't want that anymore. Like, that's not happening. Everybody's working from home. And if you get cast, then a lot of the times they want you to quarantine for two weeks and then you get a test. And then if your test is negative, then you go on set. And then when you're on set, like they'll test you again. And, you know, there have been so many movies and film and like TV productions that have shut down after starting because someone tested positive. And that's just like, you know, that throws a wrench in production, that throws a wrench in money. Like it's just... It's a mess right now. I mean, everyone's just trying to do the best they can, but nobody has the right answers. We just want. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's be over. Is there is there like a bubble set up for if you were to go on set to shoot a show? Like in the NBA, yeah. they had everybody in Florida in a bubble in yeah. Orlando. And it's like every single player was there. They didn't allow anyone to go there until like later on in the playoffs. I believe mm-hmm. it was like the second round. And there you could have your wife come mm-hmm. or some kids and family and girlfriends come. But before that, it was very strict. Like this right. one dude, Lou Williams, he like left to go to a strip club and he got like in trouble for that. <laughs> oh, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he's at a strip club where they have wings named after him. So like I feel him I mean, not wanting to go over there. I mean, the fact that the strip club is even open right now, I mean, that's a red flag. Well, it was in the South and like well, down the there is... the South is a red flag just in general. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's very chaotic down yeah, there. It's, Different... just, it's a mess. <laughs> but like with the, with the bubble... It was, is that something that they do when you go to a site to shoot a show? I mean, from what I've heard, yeah. So like also during COVID, like I've also been on set twice now for commercials. And that was just more because it was just like a one day thing. I just, I had to get tested right before the shoot and show that my test came back negative. And then we were allowed on set. And it was interesting because when you're on set, like, 
now they make sure like when you go to like craft services like the table with the food and drinks and stuff i wasn't allowed to touch it i had to ask a pa to grab me anything i needed from the table i had my own individual lunch box with my name on it with exactly what i needed um in holding like you know when i was waiting to go on set i had my own little like area and another actor would be like socially distanced at least six feet away so you know, and then it's crazy. You go in hair and makeup and like, I'm like the asshole who like has to take my mask off and everything. And then hair and makeup is wearing like a mask and then like a face shield and gloves. And it's like, it's just like, what world are we living in? So that- I was- feel the same way when I go get a haircut because my barber wears a mask. Right. But then I'm not wearing one. Oh, you don't wear a mask? No, not when I get a haircut. Oh, is it because of like- Yeah, because he does my it. beard too. So like- That makes sense. Initially, like at the start when he does like, he starts yeah. at the top or on the sides, I won't wear one. Yeah. But then, like, when he got to do the sides over here, I got to take, it, I take See, it off. It's so weird. It's so weird. But, I mean, like I said, like, everyone's just trying to, like, keep going because we can't just, sh- as much as, like, maybe we'd want to for safety, we can't just shut down everything because, you know, it's an economy that we still have to support and people need to work. But when it comes to film and TV, a lot of shows are doing that bubble thing. Like, if you do book, like, unless you're, like, don't quote me on it, but like, unless you book like a one day thing, if you're like a regular, like a recurring or a guest star, they might put you in like a hotel mm-hmm. and everyone in that hotel, including like production people as well, the director and all of that will be quarantining there together. If you're like on a longer project, like a film or something, they'll make sure everyone is together quarantining so that and no one's allowed to come in. You're not allowed to go out. And yeah, they try to be as strict as possible because they don't, you don't want anyone getting sick. Like, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, like these productions, they have to pay insurance too. Like if someone gets sick, like that's, that's bad for everybody. So, you know, there's major investors in all of these projects and nobody wants to lose their money. So yeah, it's tricky. It's the same thing with the UFC. Like Impy knows him, our buddy, Jared, Jared Gordon, he fights in the UFC and he fought <laughs> on Fight Island. And I believe it was July. It was like a weird. So the UFC has this thing called Fight Week okay. every year. And they run three events. So they do a Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. It's like okay. the biggest. It's like International Fight Week. It's a huge event. It's usually in Vegas. Right. Obviously, they couldn't do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> July. Yo, you know, it's funny. The pay-per-view was on July 11th. And you know how we feel about the 11th. July. Uh, the real ones are Aww. born on the 11th. When's your birthday? March 6th. Oh, Pisces gang, yes, let's go. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm March 11th, and uh, we always have a running joke. We're like, "Yo, the real ones are born on, on the, the 11th." 11th? Aww, so, that's true. so our buddy, our, our buddy Jared, when he fought in Abu Dhabi, he got tested. He told me nine times in 12 days, and every day, almost every day, almost right? every day, he had to. He 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 went to. He left from Florida because he's in Florida now. Right. Got got tested quarantined for a day left went to vegas got tested in vegas quarantined for 48 hours got on a flight to abu dhabi when he lands gets tested quarantines for 48 hours okay from there gets tested again Mm -hmm. then there's the weigh-in gets tested then it was crazy he's like yo it was even for me to come back he said after his fight he won his fight he had to get tested another three times in order for him to leave to come back to the states so the, but at least he was at least they're doing that though i would rather be over tested than under tested yeah personally that's just me you know? yeah i got i got tested this week actually because i've been running mm-hmm. ever since i mean i always was running but i ran a lot more because of quarantine yeah so i was doing like 30 to 35 miles a week Damn. like i was going Good on like I, I would get runners high where there was one time i ran for 
10 and a half miles okay. straight through. And I called my mom. I was like, you need to come and pick me up. <laughs> oh, you were done? You were I, like, was I, can't. Sho- I was shocked. Oh, I, feel- I, I hate legit- that when like, I don't know if I can run back. Like I can't Yo, do this. Yo, I, I ran from Glen Cove to Oyster Bay. Oh, that's far. It's about like six miles. And then I ran back and then it said uh, an hour and 40 minutes, uh, 10 miles, personal best. I was like. It tired me out when it told me when the Nike app. When was you like, heard the number, you're I was like, like oh, no, "Yo, I'm done. yeah." So I called oh. my mom. I was like, "Yo, you gotta come pick me up." She's like, "Is everything all right?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine. I just can't walk." She's like, "Then you're not fine." I was like, "Nah, I'm just an idiot." And I just ran. Like I never, I never ran more than five miles. So then to do that, yeah, it was a beautiful like, it was like an August day, mm-hmm. but it wasn't too hot. It was like seventy degrees. Yeah. And it was a Sunday. Yeah. And I was just like, yo, let me just go running. And I just like mapped out this whole and route. And that's such a beautiful run too from like Glen Cove to Oyster Bay. Yeah. And like you take the, the back road and mm-hmm. it's quiet. There's no one around. You don't got to worry about cars. Mm-hmm. So that was something I picked up. So uh, like uh, a week ago, I went running. I was telling Ippy this before. And I ran like four miles and I walked from the Matrix, the gym where okay. Portobello is, okay. to my apartment after running five miles. And I'm sweating, my underarmor soaked. And I'm just and at the time, it wasn't until I got to my apartment, I was like, wow, I was dumb. I definitely caught a cold. But nowadays, if you have a cough or something, you're like, oh, oh you're my scared. god. You're so it's scared. So, yeah. So it's and my mom's birthday is coming up too. So I'm like, oh man, I gotta go and get tested. Mm-hmm. So this was the first time I got tested. And I took two tests and I did like the PC PCR, PCR, PC, yeah, yeah, PCR, and then I also did the rapid. So both were negative because I also had people coming in. Like you're in here, yeah. I had two people come in the other day. Alan came in also. So again, it's all about like being responsible and and just caring about others in that sense. You know, that's really what it comes down to. Like I totally understand when people are like, "Well, I'm not worried about myself." Well, I mean, I understand it. I I, I mean, I get it to a certain extent, but you know. like you just said like it's about caring about other people if you're gonna go out in the world and like be around people put on a mask Mm -hmm. just worry about other people besides yourself for once yeah let me ask you this did you did you grow up in new york like you're born and raised in new york Mm -hmm. i grew up on long island long island Mm -hmm. yeah that's right you mentioned that in the past what and and now you live in you live in queens yeah i live in astoria okay how how do you feel the city is right now with covid so weird weird right because so weird because and tell me how you feel about this isn't new york city uh, a place for creatives and a place for people to like a lot of people move here because they're chasing something right yeah and i i meet a lot of people that are not born and raised in new york that come to new york and you kind of put up with the bullshit of living in a one-bedroom studio paying fifteen hundred dollars and it sucks because you're like yo at least i'm down the block from the train and i could get to Times square in 12 minutes Mm -hmm. or i'm down steinway street and there's all these dope bars and restaurants and now that's all taken away from you Mm -hmm. because everything's closed and Mm -hmm. with all the rules and regulations how do you feel new york how do you feel about New York right now being a creative living in, in New York? Being a creative living in New York. Um, I mean, it's so different because, you know, the before COVID, you walk down the street in Manhattan and everything's buzzing. Everyone's busy. Everyone's like hitting the pavement. Everyone's like going hard for whatever they're doing. And now you go into Manhattan and it's quiet. The yeah. energy is like completely dropped. And it's crazy because I used to live in Manhattan. I used to live in Hell's Kitchen. And I moved after like almost three years just because 
I got tired of feeling that constant buzz all the time. I learned what I, about myself, like I need like to remove myself from that in order to like recharge. And that's why moving to Astoria was like the best thing for me. And it's also the best place to live. I feel like as someone that lived, I grew up, I spent the first 20 yeah. years of my life in Astoria and then I moved to Long Island for about nine years and then I came back into mm-hmm. Astoria. Ironically enough, I live closer to my high school now than I did when did I was you? growing up. Yeah, <laughs> That's funny. So I feel... I think it's the best mixture of the two of like city living kind of and suburb. Oh, absolutely. It's a, I feel like it's the, it's right in the middle there. And the reason why it's such a popular town yeah. is because of the commute. Like, yo, you could get to Lexington Avenue in eight minutes taking the N train. Exactly. So you save some money as mm-hmm. opposed to being in hell's kitchen or in the city right. you're like yo i'll just take the train and whatnot and right. then i'm there if i need to i so- mean it's crazy how i like learned to love the train in a way because like when i first moved to hell's kitchen it was great because i was like i can walk everywhere like all my auditions are up the block like i can walk to my job this is great and then i realized like no i'm tired of walking everywhere i'm tired of walking <laughs> for 30 minutes straight in a rush like i'd like to like sit down and relax so i do miss like that aspect of it but i just think i think what COVID has highlighted for people is that you really can be anywhere right now i mean the goal is i'm sure for people to come back to new york and let this be like a hub you know because there's so much like film and tv going on right now but you don't need to be in the city for that you know like if anything if you go into brooklyn you go into long island city all the shows we watch on network tv like fbi you know law and order all that stuff they're shooting in warehouses right around here so the only thing you would go into the city for was the audition Mm. so you know and now with self-tapes you do it all from home so you don't really need to be in the city anymore at all and i think a lot of actors know that because or they knew that beforehand because you know we're poor (laughs) <laughs> we don't have a lot of money, you know, unless you have someone supporting you, like your family or something. But, you know, that's why you see a lot of actors in like Ridgewood or Washington Heights in Harlem, you know, in Queens, too. Not as I feel like not as much anymore in Queens. I feel like Queens used to be an Astoria in particular, a popular spot for actors. And then Astoria got too expensive for them. So they moved to like Bushwick and stuff like that. So I don't know. I just think you can be anywhere now. Like you don't have to be in the city. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you get support from your your family like with the dream chasing thing? That with you're the doing? dream? Mm, it's so funny. I was just talking to my dad about this the other day because I was thinking about it, actually. Um, yes. Yes. One hundred percent. But it wasn't always like one hundred percent. It took a while. It took a while. Well, it took a while for my mom. And I'll tell you why, because my mom is, you know, my mom is an immigrant. My mom's from El Salvador. And, you know, she also grew up really quickly. She had a full family by the time she was 19. She had three sons. I have three older brothers. And, you know, she worked really hard when she came to this country to make a life for herself and for her kids and her family. And, you know. You're good, man. You don't need need to be so stealth in the background. It made me feel where he's like creeping. (laughs) Yo, he rotated that chair so slow. I thought he had to shit. He probably does. He probably does, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, so no, grew up quickly. Grew up quickly. And just like, you know, my mom never wanted me to struggle, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm not saying that, like, she spoiled me, but she just didn't want me to struggle. And before I decided to pursue acting full time, because I, I wasn't always doing this. Like, I went to college. I went to City College. And I graduated with a degree in broadcast journalism and acting. It was kind of like a 
major. Oh, you got the degree that I should have had doing all this you stuff should've. that I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I created it myself. So I could, you know, anyone listening, you can create your own major if you go to CUNY. Um, so that's kind of what I did because, you know, I went into it thinking I was going to be like in PR. Mm-hmm. I quickly realized I hated it. It was like the worst thing ever. But I liked journalism and that was my minor. And then I was like, I took an acting class because I thought, Maybe it'll because I want to do like on camera, like what you do, basically. But like more well, like, like reporting. On TV. Yeah, more like honestly, it was more like the e news kind of thing. That's so you wanted to be like a like a like a host, <laughs> like, like a host. Maria Menounos. Yes, great sure. girl. I Absolutely. love her. She's Greek too, so <laughs> she's, she's awesome. And she's a wrestling fan. It's like oh, is my she God. really? Yeah, she's, she's always like beautiful. at WrestleManias and whatnot. I love that. Yeah, That's I'm so very cool. simple. If you're like into wrestling and like in gamble, I was like, all right, I'm already sold. I love you, Maria. Where you at? Yeah, where you at? Any Maria out there? We'll we'll tag you on this. But no, that's what I thought I wanted to do. So I took this acting class to like, I thought it would help me on camera. And then I took it and all of a sudden I remembered that I wanted to do this since I was like a little kid. I just was extremely shy when I was a little kid. Like I was always in like chorus and stuff like that, but I just, and I knew at times I wanted to be an actor, but I just, I don't know, I was just really shy and I would just get really nervous mm. in front of people. So I forgot about it and I kind of let it go. Like I had some performances here and there in high school, but I never thought I could like do it as a job, like make a living off of it, you know? So yeah, I took the acting class and I was like, oh my God, like I feel something here. And then I got the major and that's what I thought I was going to do. But, you know, going back to that whole like hustle and like always being on the go and that grind, like I had been that way since, like I said, I was 15. And then by the time I'd graduated college where I was, I always had an internship, a job, maybe two jobs, full-time school, study abroad. Like I was always doing something. All of a sudden I graduated and all of that got taken away from me. I'm telling you, I went through like the craziest identity crisis and like depression, like, cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I didn't like you, even with the acting, like I didn't have that like desire. Like it didn't feel like something attainable to me. And I was just, I was like kind of like floating around for a bit and like traveling and just like trying to like figure shit out. Um, I had this mentor in college who was the head of the journalism department and we met up one day a year after graduation to chat and she was just like, I know you're into the whole acting thing right now. And that's how she said it. But, you know, I know these like journalism jobs you can get into. Like I can get you an internship at CBS or and I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want I like journalism, but I don't want it to be my whole life. You work in a newsroom. That's your whole life. It's like, OK, well, I have a friend who works at this documentary production company. And I was like, OK, like that sounds interesting. Like that's like film related. That's still like, you know, sure, I'll do that. Mind you, I was still like super depressed during this time. And I was just doing it to like honestly look for some approval because this was Mm. someone I looked up to and I know she saw a lot in me potential wise, even if they didn't match up in what like my heart really wanted. And I didn't want to disappoint her and I wasn't feeling strong enough in what I wanted to do yet. So I just took it. And so I was an intern at this place and the woman who ran it was like this really, um, she's still really like this really well-known journalist. Uh, she was, used to be a CNN host and, um, Yeah, so I started off as an intern. I was editing and I was just like getting really into like those stories and doing that. And then my internship was over and they were like, oh, we want to keep you. (laughs) It's always making noise over there. We want to keep you and we want you to be our office manager. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Fuck it. Like, you know, I'll do that. And then I still kept thinking like I'm going to audition on the side. And I just never got around to it. I was just kept like fucking around, traveling, like trying to do different things. And then 
a few months into that, her the CEO's executive assistant quit. And then I was just covering while they were searching for a new one. Then a couple weeks into that, the CEO was like, no, I want you to have this job. And I was just like, you know, she's like, this would be great for you. Like it could line you up to be a producer one day. Like this would be amazing. And like, this is like, I'm not going to say her name, but this is like a really, really well-known person. And so again, getting that cosign from them was validation. In exactly. A way. It was like another, it was another thing. It was basically what happened with my mentor. It was mm. another person who was like really up there and was like, I can see you doing this thing. And because I didn't have that inner strength to be like, no, but that's not what I want. I said, even though I knew this is going to be my whole life, I'm going to be miserable. I just took it because I thought security, like going back to my mom, you know, that whole idea of security being safe. And like, this was like on paper, this looked like a really good job and a really good opportunity, even though something inside of me was like, this isn't what you want. But I took it. And then a year into that, hated it. And I remember sitting down, I was telling my dad about this the other day, I was sitting down at a Panera with my mom and I was telling her, I'm like, I'm just really not happy. You know, like, I think like, I think I want to maybe go back to acting and, you know, oh, oh. And this was, this was like the universe talking to me because one day I was standing outside my office and a friend of mine who I had been in an acting class with was walking down the street. And I was like, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I'm in this conservatory across the street. And I was like, this feels like a sign. So I was like, maybe I just need to take one more acting class and just see how it goes. And I did. And I realized like, nah, this is the only thing that makes me feel alive. Because at that point, I wasn't feeling alive at all. Cut to that talk with my mom. And she was just like, I don't get it. You have such a great job. You have such a great opportunity. Like everything is lined up for you. Like, I don't understand why you would want to give that up. And... I was just like, well, I'm just not happy. So I just have to do this thing. So I applied for their conservatory. We have to cut. Just cut. You know, the reason why I asked that that initial question of like your your parents supporting you mm-hmm. or like even your peers, right? Because, dude, I still don't get support from my parents when it comes to this. Because really? Yeah, like you said, your your mom's an immigrant. My my dad too. You know, my dad came over here when he was twenty one. Yeah. My my mom at twenty two had me at twenty four. So like, mm-hmm. he was the American dream for him was coming over here and like immediately he was a mechanic in Greece. Okay. He was a really good mechanic too. His partner now is one of the biggest mechanics in all of Athens. Like soccer teams, he sponsors wow, and shit. And like dope. that was like his guy. So when my dad came to the States, they were like, yo, you can open up your own mechanic shop, mm-hmm. this and that. And my dad's like, oh, word? Like, yeah, I'll have my own spot. Mm-hmm. Come to Astoria. There's a lot of Greek people here and shit. And then my dad gets over here and they're like, oh, yeah, you need like $40,000 to start. They're like, I thought someone was going to give this to me. And they're like, nah, bro, you got to. And then all of a sudden, my dad goes into this job that he has now yeah. with like the donuts and the coffee. So he's like super old school. Like, nah, man, you got to. Mind you, my, where our spot is on 49th and Park Avenue. So all my customers are like wealthy, you know, like mm-hmm. even the engineers that do the elevators over there make like six figures. Like this is yeah. like a legitimate, like the, the, I don't want to say the poorest, but like the guy that makes the least amount of money at my job is like $75,000. Like, Which is of so my, crazy when I hear that customers. Now, you know? Yeah. So my dad was like, nah, you need that piece of paper. You need that piece of paper. So they, they don't get it. Right. There's a, there's a song called ghost by kid mm-hmm. cuddy and he ends the song and he says i hope they understand that i really understand that they don't understand 
And I heard that. I was like, oh, yeah. my God. He, the, he's talking to me with that. Right. And, yo, I swear on everything, man. I heard that. And I was just like, yeah, y'all don't get it. You don't get this new age of being able to become someone through the Internet. Just because it's mm-hmm. not it's not normal to them. Right. Like well, being unconventional. It is, yeah. It's weird to that generation. And I get it. You know, like I um, I had a very, very similar conversation to the one that you had with your friend that you saw coming out oh yeah yeah yeah. The, because the, yeah. i had a friend of mine when i went to queen's college so i went from buffalo state i transferred i went to cw post mm-hmm. cw post for a year and then from there like i lost some scholarship money because i had four addresses in like six months so it was like some it was some weird thing i got flagged for it was like very sketchy they were like you're shady yeah yeah exactly because like, <laughs> we don't want to give you money so yeah. i had my my address was my buffalo state dorm right. and then it was my address in astoria we were in the process of buying our house So for that six months, my parents went and lived with my grandma because we got it was a long story with like the the landlord of the old apartment we lived at. So we move in with my grandma. So then I changed my address to my grandma's. And then all of a sudden I'm in Long Island. So I've had four addresses in like seven months. And they're like, yeah, yo, you lost your money. So I owed all this money to CW Post. So I couldn't re up for another semester until I paid it. So then I take a year off and then I go to Nassau County. I get my associate's mm-hmm. degree. From there, I go to Queens College and I take a Greek class with this girl, Kathy, who I grew up with from like uh, 141 all yeah. through Bryant. And then like we reconnected in in in, uh, in college. And at the time, Impy and I were doing Veterans Minimum with the whole with the rest of the gang. <laughs> and we would go and like grab lunch before class yeah. and whatnot because I would have those like Mondays I'd be uh, on campus at Queens from like 11 to 10. Okay. Like, yeah. so, Those and, days, yeah. and, and, and I would have like a two hour break. So no point of going all the way back to Glen Cove and then coming back. So we would go and grab lunch and whatnot. And she was just like, yo, legit, like some shit out of a movie, Sam. I'm not even trying to like gas it up or make mm-hmm. it like sound cool. She would just be like, I'm 25 at the time now. Yeah. I'm 25. We're maybe maybe a year into doing the show. Yeah. She's like, bro, all you do is talk about your fucking show. She's like, that's all you do. Anytime we hang out, it's like, yo, my show, my show. She's like, you're doing more research on your show than you are for like your classes. Right. I was like, yeah, yo, it's the only thing that I feel like validated. And I feel like, because I've always been a sports fan, right? I've always been curious. And we were starting to pick up some momentum, you know, like Impy and I, when we were doing the sports betting pod, we had like this art, this article written from like this, like really big website mm-hmm. in England about like how our show was one of the best sports shows, uh, sports betting shows in the world. Right. And then like VM started gaining some momentum. And then, yo, I had this literally a scene from a movie. I'm in my class and I'm just like, yo, what am I doing here? Like legit, I have no idea what I'm doing like at all. Right. And I just grabbed my binder. I put it in my bag. And I just like go to walk out. Now I'm taking a Greek class. Mm-hmm. My professor's Greek. And it's like an advanced college Greek class. But I did uh, 14 years of after school Greek. So like my Greek is very fluent. Yeah. I could read it. I could speak it really, really well. I can't write it that much because like to say. I mean, it's, it, a different, it's a different language. Yeah. And yeah. also it's such an asshole language because there's like seven different ways <laughs> to write I. I bet. There's like AI. <laughs> like, how do you E-I- want to say it though? What was your inflection? Like what do you Yo, mean? it's so crazy. So. <laughs> I, I go to leave and she's like, she's like, uh, where are you going? I was like, I'm out. She's like, where? I was like, no, nah, I'm out. I'm, I'm going straight to the dean's office and I'm withdrawing from the semester. She's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I don't even know why I'm here. And uh, the chick Kathy's looking at me like, this motherfucker's <laughs> really doing what I told him. 
And then and then I just went straight to the dean's office and I withdrew because you know how like you had that deadline where you could withdraw yeah. your semester and then you're not entitled to pay for it. You don't mm-hmm. need to pay for it. I was just like, yo, I'm out, yo. I don't even want to do this shit no more. And at the time I was going through like some cop stuff where I was going to be a cop for Nassau County also. Right. And then I was like, damn, yo, this is the only shit, the only thing that I want to do. And it was mm-hmm. very similar to the experience that you had with your, with your friend there. Mm-hmm. And look, I don't want to say that I seek validation, but yeah. it's nice to hear that people see your work and you have those moments as you're progressing through this yeah. grind of chasing what you want to do where it's like, you know, maybe Sam, you're, you're going six months and like nothing's happened. And then some company reaches out to you like, Hey, you want to be in a toothbrush commercial or mm-hmm. something? You're like, Oh, you know what? I'm not an asshole for putting all my eggs in this basket. Right. And then four months after that, you get a role to like, you know, I saw, uh, I have here in my notes, you appeared on a show on primetime, right? Yeah. The, the You were in the FBI jacket, all swagged yes. out. What, what show I was, was NYPD, that? actually. Okay. But which, it was which... on FBI, on, uh, yep, season two of FBI, CBS. That was me. That's popping. So, like, that had to have been validating when they reached out to you? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's ex- it's exciting, you know? And I think, like, validation, like, that's an interesting word that, you know, we we keep going back and forth on and i just think like don't get me wrong like when it comes to my career and my art and my craft like i want to be the best that i can be i definitely like i think it's bullshit when people say that they don't want to be acknowledged for the work that they do that's a better way of putting it than validation acknowledgement like no but validation is important because it's important to say that because we're all on this like journey right Mm. that those things that i mentioned in the beginning of like with my mentor like with my old boss like those were moments of validation that i needed at that time not even i don't know maybe not need is the word but i felt it and i needed that to keep going honestly till like the next day because i wasn't in a place where i knew so strongly what i wanted to do for me um so yeah sometimes that validation i think validation can get in your way in Mm. the sense of like you know not to like be cocky also but if i think if i wanted to have done anything else in terms of like you know whether it was advertising or like working in media like i had some really cool internships like i worked at mtv for a bit like i just i think i could have done it like things like school and all that stuff always came really easy to me it was something that I didn't have to work at, whereas like acting was the only thing that challenged me and that challenge got me excited. The fact that I actually had to put in work for this thing and you know, it it just, it made me think, it made me feel like I actually had to like bring something to the table instead of like, I just showed up and like, I just did this like, not to say everything was mindless and all the jobs and internships I had, but it just came easier and like, personally i don't want easy i want to be challenged i want to work hard i want to have to put in the effort and make something good yeah you don't want to be complacent you don't want to just be well some people do and that's okay yeah yes that's okay that's good for you yeah you know i'm not going to mention any names impy knows who i'm going to reference but we have a friend that's like one of the nicest friends that we have Mm -hmm. super complacent just like happy with his job his nine to five thing and like he doesn't seek to be better. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, I kind of just, I'm just like happy with my 24 days vacation I get a year. And this is what my salary is going to mm-hmm. be. And occasionally I'll get some tips and I'll be chilling. Right. But for the most part, and again, I love what you said. It's 
I don't think the, 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 the hustle and the grind is for everybody. And that's not a problem. That's something that I've come to realize where like, yo, not everyone's going to be like you. Not everyone yeah. is, is built to go on that journey that you're trying to go on. And that's not a bad thing. That's something that has really changed within the last year and a half for me. That's good. Because I, I pride myself on being self-aware. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and, and I get that from, from him too. too. Yeah, I get mm-hmm. that from him too. Where like, he's, he's one of the only people that I know that when I'm an asshole, he'll tell me. Mm. And it's it, there's no beating around the bush, and that's why I respect him so I much. Love that. Yeah, you need people a, like that. In your yeah, life you who do. Just keep it real. With yeah, you, you know, I had um, my buddy Alan. Um, I did a I did a show. I released it two days ago, but again, at the time that we're recording, I had a, a doctor from Harvard Med School, mm-hmm. and we talked about mental health and suicide. And every single bit of feedback that I got from that Sam was tremendous. Everyone was like, "Yo, so good, so good." Mm-hmm. Alan, who has a background in journalism and communications Mm -hmm. he's like yo i absolutely loved it it was very insightful he's like dude you talked too much oh and i was like when i edited Mm -hmm. i was saying to myself fuck yo i talked too much so to hear that from him because i i love criticism when it comes from someone who i know genuinely cares yes because there are some people that'll just be like... Well, it's constructive criticism. Yeah. It's not just criticism to break you down. Yeah, but it's also coming from people that I know. Like, when Impy criticizes me, I know it's coming from a good place. Yeah. Like, I have friends that criticize me, and I know, like, bro, you're just a hater, son. Yeah. Like, and I, like you're just like... You know, I'm sure you have people in your life who are like, yo, I just landed this role on FBI. And they're like, oh, whatever, Sam. Good shit is happening to you. Like, yo, bro, yeah. you can't be oh, happy yeah, for, for sure. me for a little bit? Like, fuck. Yeah. Like, what does... The people who give, you know, they get quieter. You yeah. say good news. It's like, yeah. yo, you can't be happy for me for like just like some shit is happening. It's it's not to like shit on you for not ha- that having anything happen for you, right. but it's like, yo, this is something I've worked really, really fucking hard for. Right. And I got some validation and and affirmation in this thing that I'm doing. And like you're just gonna be like, Oh yeah, Sam, good for you. Uh my life sucks. It's like, bro, that's not what the conversation is right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, and no, and that it's sucks. like Eventually, you start to weed out those people in the sense of like, sure. I don't share with everyone some of the moves that I'm making. He's one of them. My buddy Dylan's another one. Right. And that's really, honestly, where the, the list ends. So when Alan told me that, I wasn't, I wasn't taken back by it at all because Alan, I know what his intentions are. Right. And I know that it's coming from a good place. And also like, truth hurts sometimes and you want to get better yeah you absolutely need to hear that hard truth in order to improve and to grow like you know like you don't i think a lot of people too you know it's true with acting i'm sure it's true for you like they give so much respect to people who are naturals i guess i want to say and like i'm not saying they don't deserve respect you know people who like they don't really need training or they don't need you know the years of like hard work where you know because i'm sure you're not who you are now i'm sure who you were when you first started doing podcasts is not who you are now like your skill level day and night is an understatement yeah yeah so it's just like you know what i mean like i think sometimes because like whenever you're doing something that's going to be in the public eye people have this perception that it's either much easier than it looks and that just means that the person is doing a really good job if they make it seem seamless and i just feel like I don't know where I was going with this, but you need to put in those hours of hard work. Like what I'm saying is for most people, it's not going to happen for you overnight. You're not going to be number one or the best at what you do overnight. The people who are, that's one in a million. And honestly, they were most likely just really lucky. 
that's my little tidbit. So the whole the whole idea of criticism, I mm-hmm. think when it comes from the right people that genuinely care, it's it means a lot more and you should listen to that. I have fans that over time you just are able to put name to face or mm-hmm. or uh username to face, mm-hmm. right? But then you realize like when I put up a video and someone says to me like, "Yo, bro, um you didn't line up the audio correctly, right? Or they'll say like, did you not have a light on for that segment? That's someone who consumes all my content. It's not someone that's like, yo, stop doing this. You suck. Like that criticism I ignore. I'm like, yo, I pray for whatever issues you got because it's bigger than me, right? That's nice But like when (laughs) when it comes from other people... It's like this idea that you don't read comments or you don't engage with people who support your work. Mm. I think that's a little weird because like for me, for me, my, I don't have a boss. Yeah. But the fans are my employer. 100%. That's how I sort of treat this dynamic of social media and the interaction with people. Yeah. No, I agree. I think you should think about it that way. And like when it comes, because at the end of the day, who are you serving? Mm -hmm. You know, I think... I think this is another thing that a lot of people who go into like any type of business or art form where you're doing something for public consumption, like, you know, you want an audience to come in and see this work. I think what a lot of people get caught up in is like, it becomes about themselves too much, you know, like, you know, I've been in a lot of acting classes and like, I've been in, you know, on sets and stuff like that. And like, I never want, I don't want I never want to diss anybody else's like craft or art form, but you can sometimes tell when like an actor is like maybe doing like an emotional scene or like getting really, you know, they're getting upset and they're crying and like, you can just tell they're enjoying it a little bit too much. Hmm. You know, there's like an indulgence and then it gets to the point where, and this is where craft comes into play and like, what's the story? Like, is this moment you're having, does it serve the story? And let me ask you a question. Like when you are watching TV or movie, like don't after a while when you're watching someone like getting really upset and emotional and crying, like don't you start to like not care as much anymore? Have you ever noticed that or felt that? I can't say I have. Okay. Um, Well, probably because if it's something really good on TV, you're not going to see that. So that's probably why that happens. But it's just like there's something like psychological that we have as humans that like when we see someone that's just like kind of like overdoing it, we don't it takes away from what the purpose of the story is but is that the role the play, the person is playing or is that if that's just, intentional if yeah. it's intentional then that's part of the story how then can of you tell the difference works. what's the story mm. you know that's really what it comes down to like what is the story and i guess what i was trying to say is like it always comes back to the story and what are you, how are you serving the story in order to be truthful and not making it about yourself? It's either about the other person you're doing this scene with, or if you're on stage, the audience. Like that's the coolest thing about theater that I miss theater so much for and I can't wait for it to come back is like, you can't, you can't replace that energy that you feel between yourself and the audience. It's irreplaceable and it's different every night. What do you prefer, theater or film tv is it because theater you have that instant reaction as opposed to you know i've been shooting this show for i don't know just bear with me here i mean you're the expert so i should just ask you you're shooting a show for three months yeah 
you don't really get no feedback from the audience until right. it airs maybe a year from now yeah whereas like theater you kind of get it at the end of the night standing ovation mm-hmm. or crickets right right so what's what's the difference for you and you which know, one do you prefer you know i can't really say that like i prefer one over the other you know i mean with theater like i was saying like there's this whole it's a collaborative process with the ensemble meaning like the other actors and the director and the other people on stage with you doing this play and like you really get to build like a cool bond with all these people like for every show i've been in you make like this little mini family that rehearses for like four to five weeks and then you do the show for like you know forever for however long and then sadly you guys all go your separate ways and you lose touch but like that really cool ensemble family feeling like that's irreplaceable like you see these people every day from like you know 10 a.m to 6 p.m and you're you're putting your heart and soul into this thing and then yeah you go on stage and you do the performance and you feel that energy from the audience and it's just it's just an indescribable feeling and it's 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 magnetic it's energetic it's 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 indescribable it's just it's an amazing feeling but when it comes to film and tv you know i i can't say for tv as much because i haven't been on tv with like a meteor role to really say like i just did that one fbi thing and you know i was on set for a few hours and i did my one line a few times and that was about it and like there's so many moving parts on a TV show that you it humbles you because you're this tiny mm. on a set. You know what I mean? Like, the, honestly, the people who are most important are the people who are setting up the lights, who are setting up the camera, you know, or getting you from A to B, who are doing the logistical stuff because without them, it would just fall apart. So it, 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 it humbles you. Film sets are cool because, depending on the film, like I've done like a bunch of indie films and those can be really cool because you're maybe like at an Airbnb for like a weekend and you're with all of these people in the house and you're just creating this thing. And it's just, it's just cool. You build that bond with people and it's just fun. And like anytime I've been on a movie set where I've got to be there for like, you know, a few days, you just, I like, I'd, I don't want to be anywhere else, you know, like I'm doing the thing and I'm, you know, having these relationships and these interactions with these people, and we're just all there for one collective thing, and that's to make the thing. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. It, it's camaraderie, you know? How, how long have you been in acting? Well, I guess I started, I went back to school in 2016 to study. To acting train school. Acting, train in acting, not Why? post-college. Post-college. Right. And you weren't doing that prior. I mean, I studied, I studied in college some, but I didn't like, I wasn't really pursuing it hardcore in between that time. What does acting school teach you? Because I feel as if right now, if I was to, I don't think it would be necessary for me to go to get a journalism degree. Right. Or to do a, like full sale university as a... Yeah a sports broadcasting school. Dan Patrick, formerly of ESPN. I don't know where he's at now, but he's like the founder of it. Mm -hmm. Am I an egomaniac for saying that? I just feel like I've been doing this for about five and a half years now. And I think the one thing that, because you're like the fifth person I've had on since my interview with the doctor. Mm -hmm. And... I've already adjusted to like immediately implementing what Alan told me today in the conversation right. that we had. 
just subconsciously. So it's like no one could show me my personality. No. So I don't know what I would be able to learn from someone like that, right? So my question to you is like, how necessary is acting school to what you do now? Um, I think you can never put a price on any type of education, meaning that the more you learn anything, the better you are. Um, when it comes to, and like, you know, I can't compare like what I do to what you do because there's so much more of like a technical aspect to it that a lot of it you can learn on your own. You know, you can go to Google, you can, you know, you can go to YouTube, YouTube, YouTube yeah. university. Yeah. Exactly. Like I that's, learned, I learned yeah. all this stuff from our friend Joey who yeah. showed me initially, like he'll show me brief mm-hmm. and then he'll be like, yo, anything else you want to learn? Good. Just go to YouTube. Right. And there's a running joke where he's like, yo, you'll find like some Indonesian kid. Yeah. With like 400,000 subscribers, like watch him. He knows his stuff. I mean, it's true. And for what you do, like so much of that is true. And like, you know, when it comes to like production, what I will say about like, for me, I don't think I can learn what I do just on YouTube. There's something about, again, like going back to theater a bit, there's this energy thing that only happens when you're in a room with so another person. Do they, <clears throat> do they teach you like facial expressions or no so facial that's the worst thing you could ever say to an actor is like what are your facial expressions because huh. if you're thinking about your facial expressions you're not in the moment of the scene so like describe to me what yeah. a year at acting school would be like so you start off with like your basic like acting technique courses or like scene study courses um so you go over you read plays and you put up scenes and you it comes down to practice it's like if you're thinking of like sports how many hours of practice do they have to put in to be good you can, they can't just show up on the field and be good. They have to practice. It's the same thing with actors. You have to practice your craft in order to get better. Like I said, some people have just been born with this natural ability to be open. And that's really what acting school does a lot of the time is they want to break you open because we as human beings, we come into this world as babies. We have no filters. We have no guards up. We are just open to human beings and connection. And then life happens. And slowly and slowly, you start to get these guards up. You start to get these filters and you're not being your most authentic self because you are trying to just survive. You know, you're trying to protect yourself in and this world. And then the influences of other people come Absolutely. in. Absolutely. You know, you should read this book. I don't know if you have. Have you ever heard of The Four Agreements? Yes. So I, I read there, it during COVID, actually. So there is a part. I like books like that a yeah, lot. So good. There is a, there's a part in that book where they talk about a, it was one of the parents came home from work and the the daughter had like a really nice voice, like mm-hmm. a singing voice, and she would sing. But the parent had a bunch of like, they had a shitty day, you know, like it was just a lot of things. And they finally got home. And the last thing they wanted to do was hear anyone. They just wanted yeah. to have their coffee or their whiskey and relax. And I'm exaggerating the truth right now, but like the no, concept. No, I remember of, that story. Though, yeah, yeah. And the daughter is singing and the mom or the dad was like, oh, shut up. Your voice sucks anyway. Right. And then the daughter never sang again. And you internalize that. And that you have these wounds. So yeah, acting school, like there's always like that cliche of like acting school, everyone's yelling and crying and stuff. But it's true because a lot of the times, you know, it's not like, it's not therapy, but you have to, in order to be able to play any character. And if you're watching, if you're reading a play, if you're watching a play, if you're watching a movie, you're watching a TV show, the things that are most universal and the things that make you lean in and watch are when someone is at their absolute worst, when they're at the deepest pit 
of themselves. And we as human beings, it is not natural for us to want to go there. We resist it with everything that we have. We don't want to do that. Actors, I believe, are some of the bravest people because they're doing, they're willing to do the thing that 99% of the people don't ever want to touch, which is to be real and truthful and be honest with, you know, their humanity. And that means exposing your bare self. And acting school is helpful to, you know, get you there, to help you there. Um, so yeah, so you have the acting classes, they'll have movement classes that open you up and break you up. Like you would be amazed of like all the tension and all like trauma that is built into your muscles and hidden in there. And hopefully acting school can help break that open and release a lot of that. You have voice class. I was saying before, I'm struggling with my voice right now because, because of COVID, I literally just don't use my voice as much as I used to. I've got this like vocal fry Kardashian thing going on. I don't like it. So I've been doing like an online, um, like a Zoom, like vocal class to like help me like warm it back up again. Um, and yeah, you just, what else do they do? Just like, you know, Shakespeare, Chekhov, like, you know, they just want to expose you to as much as the craft as possible. And, you know, a good actor is always, you know, unless like you're a star and like you're just busy doing work all the time, which you're also learning on set and like in shows. Yeah, but that's a good also actor like, is always in a class. They're the, always expanding and learning their craft. Yeah, and that's also like many, many years down the line where you've, you've built up that, cachet of being yeah. like you, know, you could just show up on set and you're just like yo hit the cameras kind of because you're a master at that point. yeah you know like robert de niro and al pacino because they've been doing it for, for so, so long, long yeah, yeah. it's just natural to them so you would recommend someone listening to this to do acting school 100 percent, 100 percent. because it's not like it's also like even like with what you do or if you were like in production or something yeah, maybe you don't need school. Like maybe you don't need to go to NYU to learn how to do all this stuff, but you go to NYU to meet people, like-minded people, aspect. the yeah, networking, yeah. you know, right. because if you're not putting yourself out there, this business at the end of the day, like I'm not going to say it's all about who you know, but who you know is helpful. Mm. Cuz you know, you can I can meet someone who's like a, you know, a director or like a producer or something and like we don't connect on anything in that moment necessarily, but he might remember me a year from now and think, oh, that girl, Sam, she might be actually be really good for this role and he'll call me up and, you know, then there's a thing. You know, I'm not saying like people should go out seeking that because networking is not my favorite thing to do, but you meet people. This is your industry. Why not meet people? Why not want to collaborate with them? Because at the end of the day, it's a collaborative process. It's a collaborative art form. As we start to wind down a little bit, I have just some like I guess generic basic questions. Okay. Hit me. Uh, what are who who are some of the people that you're inspired by in, in acting? Oh man, I think right now I'm like who's your who's your number one draft pick for actors? That's so hard. I have I have a really hard time with picking like number ones because I love Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey is great. My favorite movie of, of his is uh oh yeah, right? I don't even... All right, all right, uh, I, all right. No, no, no. I think it was... Uh, I think it's called... Dallas Buyers two, Club? Two for the Money. Mm. It was like a... It's like a... You know the movie I'm talking about? It's such a bad movie. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a good movie, but it's not a... Like, the betting movie? It's for us. It's 
For, that's what I'm saying. That like the degening in me loved yeah, it. I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't have the stomach for betting at yeah, all. Yeah, tomatoes shitted on it. Damn. So let's you find out. Let's find out. Yo, yo, pull it up. I want to make sure I got the name right. Matthew McConaughey. Let's go. I'd be playing producer right now. I'll send him a nice little Venmo in a little bit. <laughs> but I. Um, uh, no, nah, right now I'm like super um, into like actor creators, and that's another thing that COVID has really done for me is like open my eyes. It's given me a moment to really remember that. I don't want to just be an actor for hire. Mm. I want to like be in charge of my career, my art as well. Meaning like I want to create my own work. So that's, you know, that's another gift of COVID that's like lit the fire under my ass for that. Where like now I'm like, I'm writing stuff with friends. I'm shooting stuff with friends and I just want to create. So back to the actors, like I really like Michaela Cole right now. I don't know if you saw her show, Babe, what was it called? Who I May Destroy You, that show. It's on HBO Max if you have it. If you don't, get it because everything good is on there right now. Um, she's British. A Brit, they're putting out so much good stuff. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Fleabag. Mm-hmm. So good. I've, uh, I've, so I've good. recently gotten into Peaky Blinders. Oh, I, I need to watch that show. Everyone keeps yeah. telling me to watch well, that no, no, show. Well, no, no, no. You need to watch Money Heist. Money Heist, Money Heist. Oh, La Casa de Papel. Yes, yes. Yo. <laughs> I didn't know what you were talking about. I was like, what the hell is Money Money Heist, heist. yes, yes. Um, I have the shirt on too. Ironically enough, I just put the shirt I on. I heard it's so dope and I Yo. do love Spanish stuff too. Do you, you, you speak it? You understand it? I am like, I say I speak conversational. So okay. like, which, but I'm saying like when you watch a show in Spanish, do you need the subtitles in English? Um, sometimes a lot of the times, yeah, especially because like a lot of the stuff that we see on TV right now is either from Spain or Mexico. Yeah, this one and is just, from Spain, and it's just a different. They have they have different words. Like for example, like in Spain, they car they call a car el coche. In El Salvador, el coche is um like a baby stroller. Huh. So it's like, there's just different words and dialects. So like, gotcha. and I just, you know, I didn't grow up like speaking it all the time. So I ne- I can't say I'm fluent in it, but whenever I do go to like a Spanish speaking country and after like a few days being there, it starts to become easier for me. So like, I right. just need to practice it more Gotcha. Um, because it's definitely a skill that I need. So this show season one got like wild ratings in Spain. Yeah. Right? It was like the number one show in Spain, not even close. It was beating like the El Clasico, which is Real Madrid and Barcelona and right. soccer, which is like the Spanish version of soccer's Super Bowl. Oh, it's huge. It's, it's massive, huge. right? And that was getting a bigger rating than it. And then That's season dope. two happens and no one watched it at all. That's it weird. moved time slots. Oh. So from like Sunday night at eight, it went to like Wednesday at six. Right. Right. Don't call me on that, but that's so, what happened. Yeah. So then everyone's like, "Yo, where was it? It might, it might have changed networks too." And then season two happens, nothing. In between season two and three, Netflix picks it up. Mm-hmm. They shoot season three, put it on there, and then it just blows up. Right. Massive. Netflix I watched is it. The e- grand equalizer right now. I watched content. it twice in eleven days. Damn. And I am like. <laughs> I'm fiending to have a reason to watch it. I bet. I bet. I I gotta watch it now. I gotta add it to my list. Yo, it is. First of all, the first episode is like, it's the actual heist. So they're giving you the best shit right away. That's how they get you. Yes. They get you in. You gotta lead with your best stuff. Yes. That's for sure. It's amazing. No, I'm super happy for like, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna, I was gonna say I'm super happy for like 
the increase in a lot of Latinx content that's happening right now. I'm not Spain. For those listening, Spain is not Latinx. Hispanics are from Spain. They are different from Latin Americans. So just clarifying that for the listeners, if you just mm-hmm. because we speak Spanish does not mean we are the same. So putting anyone who knows Tanya Saracho, who is the showrunner for Vida that was on Stars, putting this in the universe, I need to work with her one day. Let's go. Let's get uh, it. Let's get it. Let's get no, it there's just there's so there's just so much more representation right now. Not enough, but I feel I'm happy that it's going in the right way for Latinx people because there's some of like they have some of the least representation right now in film and TV, which is crazy because they are they make up so much of the United States population, you know? And I think show like producers or, you know, studios, they think that like Latinx stories or even like, you know, black stories don't sell, but that's just not true because we the the minority is really the majority right now. And, you know, the studios need to pay attention to that and really put out the content that people want to see. And I want to be a part of that as well. So that's dope. Yeah. I love it. I appreciate you coming on. This is awesome. Yeah. Very insightful because I'm always like I'm into like the storytelling and the show's really transitioned the last 18 months Mm -hmm. since this version of the show happened. And these are some of my favorite conversations because like I've always been fascinated with like the acting world and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I think because of COVID because like I was never someone that consumed a lot of tv shows and movies right we all turn to artists during this time that's yeah, why they need our support but, but yeah. also just me like it's oh, my whole life i didn't watch the sandlot until like three years ago stop it yeah get out i didn't watch get, this is my studio <laughs> now are you I serious i didn't watch scarface and the godfather till my junior my sophomore year of college you're better he hasn't even watched the godfather which is crazy to me yeah. that's like one of my favorite that's like my favorite movie like oh, the yeah? godfather one and two is just one long movie, in my opinion, and you can't have one without the other. It just was the first time I actually was like, this is what film is, mm. you know? Like, not just like a movie, like this is a piece of art. The movie that I've watched the most in my life is The Dark Knight. Oh, that's a good movie. I love Heath Ledger in that role. Like, just, Ledger. there's a, here, I'll show so you sad. right now. Gone too soon. My, um, yeah, absolutely. My uh, dream tattoo that I want to get. Oh God. oh, God. Is um, It has a lot to do with him. Oh, let me find it quick. But uh, as I look for this, yeah, give people your contact information, like where they can find you, your yeah. social media, how they could support, like that, that actor's thing you were talking about. Like, if, can anyone oh, donate yeah. to that? Or? Anyone can donate. So, yeah, so there's multiple things. We didn't even get to talk about, like, my most current thing coming up. I'm going to be directing. Yeah, plug. Yeah, whatever. So, yeah, this, this is where you shine now. All right, you this, get, is my, it, this is my it, moment yeah, now. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is at Samantha Wendorf. That's W-E-N-D-O-R-F. Um, and, yes, I was talking about the Actors Fund. Oh, that's cool. With the giants, I can't. Bro, like... <laughs> It's, you just can't let it, up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally the three things that I'm into a lot. Like, I love playing poker, love the Giants, and mm-hmm. that's my favorite role an actor has ever played. Oh, I love that. That's yeah, I want to get cra- I have no tattoos, but I want to get a whole sleeve, like, right off the bat. Damn, just, you want to just go for it. Yeah, I want to just go for it. I yeah. have none either, so I feel you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the Actors <laughs> Fund is an amazing nonprofit organization that's been around for, I don't know, since, like, the 1920s, and they just support... Anybody in the arts, you don't have to be an actor, whether, you know, they help you with healthcare and they're giving out money right now to people who are out of work. So you can find, I think it's actorsfund.org. 
go there, donate, support them and actors. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be directing actually a new play that a really good friend of mine wrote. It's called Till It Stops, and it's going to be at Culture Lab, Long Island City. Um, I actually was given an artist residency there this winter, which I'm really excited about. And yeah, so you can go, I think it's culturelablic.org. If you look for my page, you can donate to my project as well and help me produce it. So also want to shout out my dad, who I didn't mention before. He was always my number one supporter. Let's no, go. no negativity at all. So hi, dad. I'll make sure I have the links to everything in here. <laughs> Appreciate and, uh, it. I'll let you know when this goes up. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Homie, go finish your meal. I'm coming for real. Taking that food right off of your grill. Nikki too ill. Can't let a drop of me spill. Clogging the lane. I'm feeling the strain. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.